You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. So I'm going to be continuing today from what we've been talking about as we've been talking about being kings and priests, uh, rather more of a bigger emphasis on being a king. So we started talking about this message of identity and we zoned in on the fact that we are kings and we made it clear that kings decree a thing and priests offer sacrifices. So you guys don't need any more information on that. You, you know it completely. But as I've been thinking about these messages that we've been receiving that we are kings, I've been getting so excited, you know, about being a king. Uh, I've been feeling like decreeing some things, you know. And as I was getting excited, I said, well, if, if somebody came to me and said, Rudzani, I am a king, my next immediate question would be, over which kingdom? Yeah. Wow. That would actually be what I ask. Wow. Over which kingdom? Because kings have kingdoms. You know, otherwise, what, what are you doing? You, know, you can't just say, I am a king, but you actually don't have a kingdom that you are over. So I started thinking about that and I was like, wow, uh, you know, I'm bringing myself problems because this question is tough. You know, uh, I can't, I'm not a king over the kingdom of God, that's for certain. Uh, so, you know, this is a very tough question. How can I resolve this and get to understand uh, my kingship and the role that I have to play as a Christian? So as I thought about it further, I started thinking about traditional kings or rather traditional chiefs and how they are organized and they are set up. So specifically in my culture. So how would it work in my culture is that you would typically have multiple chiefs. So you don't have just one. You have multiple chiefs, but you only have one senior chief. Now, the senior chief is the chief of chiefs, in a sense. All those chiefs actually report to him. And how all the other chiefs get their chieftaincies is that they were related to this chief in one form or another. And, as a re and, a reason, uh, and what then he then did is that he commissioned them to a land. So he would say, I want you to take over that land. Once you have succeeded, you are no chief. Okay, so a lot of our places in Venda, which would be named like uh, Ramondo and so forth, they represent the chief who actually took over that place. But that chief would not have been doing it for himself. He is doing it for the senior chief. Why? Because it's been commissioned. So the chief never decides, I want land, therefore. Actually, the senior chief decides, I want more land, therefore. You get it. Therefore, you go and colonize on my behalf. And when the chief gets there, what he does with the people that are there uh, is that he actually changes them to be the culture that is from. So he assimilates them into a new reality. So essentially, he's going to this new area to make it exactly like home. That's what this chief does. And if at any point he decides, well, I'm doing it for another chief, or I'm doing it for myself, he has broken rank. He is no longer a part of that tribe. He'll be starting a new kind of tribe. Makes sense, right? Now, that's a good picture. That's a good reference to have in your mind when you start thinking about being a king. The Lord is commissioning us into our different areas, wherever you find yourself, whether it's in a complex, whether it's in an estate, whether you, know, you are a landowner and it's in your farm, okay? You are commissioned there by the Lord, and the Lord wants to make that place look like heaven. Amen. That's what he wants to do. So you don't commission yourself and say, I am the king over, you know, this area when the Lord hasn't spoken. Because that's not the Lord's mandate. But the Lord has given us a clear mandate, isn't it? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Meaning that every nation has a king that the Lord is going to deploy. Now, a nation is not necessarily a country. 
It's a group of people, meaning that there's a group of people that the Lord wants to reach through you. There's a group of people that the Lord wants to make look like heaven through you. There's an area earmarked just for you. Amen. And the Lord releases you into that area. Amen. That is why you're a king. Because you're commissioned by the king of kings. Now, if you break rank and you decide, oh, you know what, God, you know, I, I really liked, you know, you sending me here, but I see it's more suitable for my benefit and for myself, you've broken rank. Yeah. You're not now, you're now no longer under the king of kings. True. Or if you get there and says, well, you know, the, 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 the darker side looks more fun, you know, so I want to play for the other kingdom. You've broken rank. Yeah. You're no longer under the king of kings. That is what it means to be a king. So, if you are in an area and you're not making it look like heaven, you're not doing your kingly duty. It means that there are things you should actually go and remove from the walls of the areas you find yourself in. Because it's not in heaven. It means that there are people that you should be praying for to get healed. Why? Because there's nothing like that in heaven. You are bringing a heavenly dimension into that reality. That is what, that's what it means to be a king of God. No wonder Paul actually says, set your, things on, set, your, set your mind on the things where? Above. Not on earthly things. Why? Because if you're looking on earthly things, you're going to think that your kingship looks like earth. But if you set your, your mind on the things above, you're going to see what the kingdom of God looks like, and that's what you're going to bring down. That's why Jesus says when we pray, what are we supposed to say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Not as it is where I'm from. No, as it is in heaven. And to make sure that we are always aware that we are not kings of this earth, but we are kings of the kingdom of God. What does Jesus say? What does Paul says in Ephesians? He says we are seated in heavenly places. So we are not just people here. We are actually, I'm here, but seated somewhere else. Yeah. That's how it works. And hence we are able to bring a different kingdom. No wonder Jesus says you must seek first the kingdom of God and right standing with the Lord before you even look after all these other things. In fact, he says those things are none of your business. He will add them. Your business is the kingdom and your right standing with the Lord. So you are a king in the kingdom of God for the sole purpose of extending the Lord's influence and the Lord's territory. He wants to take over earth. In fact, he is successfully doing so. But he gives you the privilege to actually participate. You know, I actually heard the story of this guy. He was saying that uh, he was going on a mission field uh, and he was in the phase where he was actually raising money. And he went to, 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 you know, to a group of friends of his to raise money and he said to them, uh, I am going on a mission field. Uh, you know, this is the area, this is what it looks like and so forth. And then they said, wow, uh, that's so far, that's going to be expensive. How are you going to pay for it? And then he turns around and says, well, my father is rich. Like my father is rich, it's already taken care of, but I'm asking you if you want to be part of what my father is going to do anyway. And by his father, he was talking about God. The father has already availed all the resources we need to actually take over. The father has already put in plan the motion, has already put in plan uh, what is going to cause colonization as per the kingdom to happen. Amen. You know, Reynard Bonke talks often that he wasn't God's first choice. Yeah. The people God chose refused. Yeah. But look at the impact that he's had. Because the plan of God was going to go ahead anyway. And the Lord gives us the opportunity to say, participate. Be part of what I'm doing here on earth. Okay? So when we start to think like this, and when we start to imagine our worlds like this, we actually start to live different. Mm. 
we start to actually say, Lord, what's your agenda over this area that I find myself in? What's your agenda over the workplace that I find myself in? It changes your prayers. You're not always going to God and saying, ah, they're complaining about me, you know? Ah, God, they don't like me, you know? Ah, God, you know, these are prayers that even sinners pray. (laughs) You elevate your level and you start praying kingdom agenda. It's very different. You are praying to bring a new reality into the world. Amen? This morning when I woke up, I woke up quite early. And strangely enough, when I woke up, uh, you know, I was facing sort of the, the wardrobe area. And it just looked like a banner, you know? I just saw a banner. Wow. Just like, that's a bit freaky, you know? <laughs> What's actually going on? <laughs> but I woke up and I just saw a banner. And when I was thinking about it, what is a banner? What is a banner about? A banner always represents three things in the Bible. A banner always has what the Lord has done, who the Lord is, and what he's about to do. So imagine if you woke up every day and the first thing you do is not check a status. But the first thing you do is look at the banner and see, oh, the Lord actually sent his son for me. He's a good holy father and he's commissioned me to make a disciple today. Imagine how different your life would be. What agenda do we check when we wake up? if we check any agenda at all. The Instagram agenda is not God's agenda. But God has a particular agenda for your life. He wants to use you. That's why when you got born again, the Lord didn't send you straight to heaven. That's because he has a mission for you as a king here on earth. You won't be making disciples in heaven, just in case you don't know. Because everyone over there is going to be a disciple already. Like there are very few, like if you think about it, one of the things you actually can't do in heaven, then there's a book even named after this, is you can't actually evangelize. Did you know that? That's one of the few things you can't. You can't pray for somebody's healing. So you have the opportunity now to actually do it. Because later you're going to find me there, and then I'm going to be telling you stories of how I prayed for somebody and they got healed. And you're going to think, ah, but I should have. (laughs) Yeah. And we know in Joel, the Bible actually tells us that he who executes his word is powerful. So the Lord has sent us here as executioners of his word. That's what we are supposed to be doing. Execute his word. Not with partiality, not you know, in a playful way, but execute his word. Because you are truly God's king here on earth. Now, we are not the first people to be coronated of God as kings, as you know. There have been many that have come before us, but I wanted us today to look at the first coronation and see if we can learn some things from it, if we can pick up some interesting lessons. And that first coronation happens in Genesis, isn't it? The coronation of Adam and Eve. Now, in Genesis 1:26, it says, Then God said, Let us make men in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Coronation, isn't it? Let them have dominion. So we're going to make man in our image and they're going to be kings. That's literally what he's saying. They're going to have dominion. And it says it's over the fish of the sea, it's over the beds of the air, it's over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What's not covered? Everything is actually under their domain. And then in verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the air, and over every living thing that moves. Sorry. 
and over every living thing that moves. Have you noticed something interesting there about their coronation? The Lord prepared their domain before he coronated them. Meaning that when the Lord says you're a king, your area, your domain is already prepared. You just have to show up. He didn't say, I'm going to make man, and then I'm going to make something for him to, dom- to have dominion over. He said, no, 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 I'm going to make your domain, and I'm going to install a king over that domain. That's how the Lord works. The Lord is not guessing when he says that you are his king. The Lord is not guessing when he says that you are a disciple maker. He's not guessing. He already knows that that domain is prepared and it is ready. No wonder Jesus says, look at the harvest. It's actually white and ready. He wasn't guessing. He wasn't saying, maybe you will go there and they are ready. No, he says, it is ready. It is white. that's a different way that the lord actually operates and actually thinks so you are a king installed over a complete domain and you have to show up and actually rule you know it's like lord the lord saying actually here is the you know the, the the title deed for such and such a building go and take it it's a done deal you have the title deed, it's a ton deal. But it all doesn't mean that the people when you get there will necessarily just hand over, right? They might have some issues with you. And we know, I, I think you, you guys have been reading the book of Ezra so dilig- diligently, okay? So I can just quote it freely, you know? But you see that although the interdict for them to go and build Jerusalem came from the highest office, there was still resistance. You know, it didn't come from just Cyrus. It actually came from God to Cyrus. Yeah, so God used the highest office in the land, but there was still resistance. So resistance is not, it doesn't signify that it's not your domain. Amen. That's not what it signifies at all. But if you're a king of God, you know that you're going to have to war through it. Kings are warriors. Kings are not, you know, what we see modern day kings just chilling in palaces, you know. We remember the last time a king was idle in a palace when he was supposed to go to war, but he didn't go to war. You remember what happened, right? So we don't want to be that king. We actually want to be a war king. So we have a domain that the Lord has actually released us to, and it is our responsibility and our role to actually bring the Lord into it. Do you know that these animals, that this ground, that these trees might have never seen God themselves? But they sure experienced him because the Lord sent a man who was just like him, who was in his image, into that domain. You see the power of that, right? There are areas where we are finding ourselves that the Lord might never visit. That the Lord is not going to supernaturally show up to that area. But they will sure experience God because his king is there. That's what it means to be a king. If they're not experiencing God there, it means the king is not doing what he's supposed to do. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit as well, to say, when we don't do what we're supposed to do, we actually reduce our kingdom. Our kingdom is smaller. When you shift from, this is the kingdom of God, this is the scope of what you are involved in, and then you make it about getting food, getting clothes. Jesus says the Gentiles are after these things. Not you who knows the Lord. You see, it becomes from here and literally reduces in size. Now, when we actually look at this first coronation, we can appreciate a few things to say that there are mistakes that Adam definitely made, which we know about, and I'm not going to major on that, but there are mistakes that he could have made that he didn't make, that we make. 
And I want to see if I'll touch on one or two of those, but we'll see if uh, time allows. But we're going to touch on one. Now, the first thing is that Adam showed up and he found creation, isn't it? So Adam could have been like creation. That's a mistake that it could have been made. So Adam could have showed up on a scene and said, wow, different animals, different trees. Ah, monkey looks most like me. It climbs tree, it eats bananas. And Adam does what? Climbs trees and eats bananas. But he would have robbed that entire community the privilege to actually see God. He would have robbed that entire community the privilege to actually experience God. You know, you've watched the movie Tarzan when you were younger. Tarzan was a human, but those monkeys never knew what it was like to be a human. Because he robbed them the opportunity by being exactly like them. So when we are assimilated by whom we are supposed to be serving, but the area that the Lord has given us domain over, we rob that area of something so significant. We can't bring God there because we are exactly like the people we are serving. And that's such a problematic thing, saints. We have to understand that we are not similar in any way or form except the way we look to the world. We are not like the world. Amen. And the challenge is that some of us want to be saved and still be a little bit unsaved. Yeah. Salvation is not just about a busy Sunday morning. Yeah. It's a lot more than that. In Matthew 5, Jesus challenges us. He says in verse 43, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which makes sense, right? You love the, 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 the person who loves you and then you hate the person who doesn't uh, love you back, okay? What is it? Tick for tech, something like that. Yeah. Uh, those big English words. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's hard. So you go out, you try to share the gospel with somebody, they slap you. Chisampa, <laughs> maproper. The Lord says, pray for that person. Okay? That's what the Lord is saying. Someone is just giving you a hard time, an absolute nightmare in the workplace. The Lord is not saying, that's your gossip agenda. The Lord is saying, pray for that person. Why? Because you're a king. You're not like them. If you just gossip about them, how are you different from them? Because that's what they are doing anyway. But a king is different. It says in 45, that you may be uh, the children of your heavenly father. You know? And that's exactly what I was saying earlier. When you are like the world, you rob them. You rob your enemies of seeing a child of God at work. They've never seen it. But you are the opportunity to see it. He says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Imagine a different world. If the Lord just says, I'm going to make it rain on Christians, there'll be so many Christians. Eh? It doesn't rain on everyone else. Uh, but yeah, Inter interesting side story. Um, you know, Rere Bonke tells this story about how he was um, at, a, at, a, at a crusade. And at that particular crusade, he saw a rain cloud coming. And you had already been warned about this crusade to say, you can't have this crusade because we are expecting rain and you use tents. Those tents are not going to withstand the rain. So he said, no, 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 no. The Lord has already spoken, so we're going to go ahead. So he sees this rain cloud coming as the crusade has actually started. And then he realized, oh, what they said is actually happening. You know, the rain cloud is coming. So he speaks to the rain cloud and says, if you come here, I'm going to have 10 more tents. You know, so I, I, I actually uh, I am uh, telling you to actually go away. Otherwise, I'm going to have 10 more. This is the rain cloud came and it actually parted. 
and joined on the other side. And then he pointed and said, and said no, 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 I'm not making a covenant with you. I'm still going to have 10 more. <laughs> uh, but that's a different way of living. That's a king, isn't it? The king decreed because the Lord of Lords had already spoken. It says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not tax collectors doing that, that as well? And tax collectors were the lowest class of citizens, the most despised people in the Jewish society who were working with the oppressors to enrich themselves in the oppressor. They helped continue the oppression. But the, he's saying, look, when, when you just essentially love those who love you, you're at the same level as the most despised person in society. That's what he's saying. It says, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Even pagans, okay, heathens, idol worshippers, they do exactly that. But you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There's a different level at which we're supposed to actually operate. There's a different rhythm at which we're supposed to operate. That's because there is nothing about us that's like the world. Let's look at a harder version of this exact same thing in Luke 6. From 32, it says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Here's a hard one. And if you lend to those who you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? <laughs> For even sinners lend to, sinner, to sinners to receive as much back. Huh? And it says, but you must love your enemies. You must do good. You must lend hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high and it says because he is kind to who to the unthankful and the evil that's a different standard saints but that's a standard we're supposed to be operating at but because we've assimilated ourselves so much into the culture of the world we're not we find this hard because we are so much in the world we're living so much like them but it's not our share, it's not our portion. We are not supposed to live like that. The Lord has called us to be much more. Hence the Lord says, but if they do that, how much more are you doing? Because we're supposed to be more. There is something different about us, okay? There is something different. And when you actually then make your kingdom exactly like those to whom you're supposed to model who God is, you've just made your kingdom smaller. Your kingdom is exactly the same size as a sinner. There's no difference. No one can even ask you and say, wow, my man, you're so different. Why do you hope so much in Jesus? Because when the market crashes, you are crying like everyone. When the interest rate goes up, you are crying like everyone. We are exactly the same. But there's something different that ought to be there. Because when we reduce our hope, when we remove our gaze from the Lord, we make our kingdom smaller. We are not representing the kingdom of God, but our own kingdom. We are representing our families, our interests, our desires, and what we are after. But that's not what God actually wants, okay? So we mustn't chase the same things that Gentiles chase. Jesus said it so clearly. He says, Gentiles are chasing the better thing to wear, the better thing to eat, and may, may I add, the better thing to drive, the better place to actually stay. But he says, no, 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 that's not your story. You must seek first the kingdom of God and right standing with the Lord. And it says the Lord knows you need all these things, so he's going to add them to you anyway. Funny enough, it doesn't work the opposite way around. If you seek those things, the kingdom is not added. It doesn't work that way. If you seek those things, that's all you actually have. You actually have nothing more 
accept that. It's a completely different way. When Jesus speaks about, you know, don't be like, you know, the, the Pharisees who love to be seen by men, uh, they actually don't have reward from the Father. They actually have their reward. Do you know what their reward is? They were seen praying. That's the reward. It's the end of the story. But he says there's a bigger reward for us. So we have to actually think differently, operate differently, because there is a massive difference between us and the world. Can I make it a bit harder? We work with sinners in our workplace. We work with Gentiles that don't know the Lord. How are we any different if in our workplace all we want is a salary, an increase, a bonus, a promotion? They want exactly the same thing. How are we any different? But we have to think differently and realize that we have an agenda from God. We are different because we are not there for those things. Those things are going to be added anyway. If we truly believe that promotion is not from the East and the West, but it's from the Lord then why are we so obsessed with it? Why can't we say I'm going to focus on doing what the Lord has commissioned me to do? Why can't I say I'm going to focus on actually being a king? Because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And my apologies to Anele. Um, I will have to unbutton my suit. It's a, it's a, it's a bit hot. Okay. Yeah. Pray for her that she can still receive from the Lord. Okay. And I think, saints, that's where the challenge is. And this is also me preaching to myself. The challenge is we want what the world wants. That's the whole challenge with this thing. We are chasing exactly what they are chasing. If you think about your heroes and who you are impressed by, it, there's nothing kingdom about them. Even if they're a kingdom person, you're not impressed by their kingdom qualities. You're impressed by their worldly qualities. And it is problematic, saints. We have to be different. Why can't our heroes be God's generals? Why can't the saints of old be our heroes? They modeled how to walk with the Lord. Why must our hero always have the most money? That is not the most significant thing about life, especially for us as kings. The Lord is going to add the money anyway. Amen. So why obsess over it? Interesting enough, Adam, part of his rulership included the trees, isn't it? But now we are ruled by the tree. But we are supposed to rule that. It was part of the domain of Adam. But when the tree speaks, we run where the tree calls. You know, and I think when we start to get this, what we should have done and what we should do is we should ask God and say, what profession am I supposed to be in? Then the Lord speaks a profession and we go for that. And I'll be the first to admit that I chose the profession I did because I met, I met somebody very rich who had studied that. And I said, wow, these this are the stairs. You know, I can see the ladder. <laughs> you know, I can see it. So I'm not going to study all these other things that I'm perhaps passionate about. But I'm actually going to study where I see the clear ladder to money. Okay? I see the Maserati there on top. Okay? So that's the direction I'm actually going to go. But when I started to know the Lord, I knew it wasn't about that. It had to be about more. And I started asking God and saying, but Lord, what is the workplace about? 
What am I supposed to be doing? And you know you are asking the questions because what you are watching changes, right? You start to watch sermons, listen to sermons over those topics. You can't say, Lord, you know what? I, I want to I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be different, Lord. And then you consume eight hours of Kardashians. <laughs> right? It just doesn't, it doesn't connect, you know? It doesn't connect. Fortunately, I'm not an owner of a TV, so I'm cleared of that one. Okay. But, you know, I started praying to God when I started working just to say, Lord, you know, what is this about, you know? And when you get to work the first day, you know, you are told, you know, 40% of you won't be here ne- next, uh, next year. Uh, and the rest of you, you know, you will continue. But only 10% will make it to partnership level. So you are there and your heart is inflamed because you are there because they know you are competitive, you know? So you are there and you just see, I'm going to be part of the 10%, you know? I'm going to make the partnership level. And that's sort of how I thought when I got to the workplace. But I started thinking about it and I said, no, this doesn't make sense. The Gentile wants exactly the same thing. Why would I chase what the Gentile is chasing like there's nothing different in me? Like there's nothing different about me. And I started to realize that actually, when I go to work, I'm a disciple before I'm a management consultant. Like that's the truth which means I should be asking God discipleship questions about my workplace. My prayers change from, Lord, they're taking too long to promote me. You know, and we used to get peer-reviewed in comparison. You know, you pray against people when they say, you, are, you know, you, you, you might be a 10 out of 10, but compared to so, you are a 5. Okay, that's how the rating used to work. Uh, so it was a very, very hard rating system, you know. You pray dangerous prayers, you know. You pray dangerous prayers. But... You know, I started to think about it, and I realized that's what it's about. It's not about I'm a management consultant who just happens to be a Christian. No, 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 no. I am a disciple that's deployed as a king into that management consulting firm. And I made disciples there. I shared the gospel, spoke to people about Jesus. But it wasn't because there's anything special about me, but it's because I said, it's about discipleship, so Lord, how do I do it? That's what it's about. So you don't show up at work and send a mass email to everyone. If you don't repent today, you're going to go to hell tomorrow, okay? Some of you won't show up because you'll be dead, okay? And I have seen some of those emails, you know, being sent. And I'm just like, distance myself, (laughs) you know? Because that's not going to help you. That's, you know, Jesus didn't make discipleship by, you know, by, by, by sending emails, but it's about getting into people's lives, okay? Connecting with them and talking to them about Jesus. And truly, if you're a Christian, it will start to come up. There'll be something different. They'll be asking you how to manage their three girlfriends. You don't say, well, I'll do Monday this one, Tuesday that one, Wednesday, you know? Then on the weekend, you know, that's where I'll see how to manage. That's not what you say. But that's often what we do in lighter portions. We give unrighteous people unrighteous advice. And then when we meet the Christian, we are so holy. That's problematic. It's because we are assimilated into the kingdom of the world. We ought not be like that. Now imagine if you start to think of yourself as a king first, as a disciple first, as a Christian first, and then whatever profession, your prayers change. You start praying what Paul was praying to say, Lord, I'm going to work today, but I want to be fearless when I share your gospel. Lord, I'm going to work today, but may your word be honored today. Lord, I'm going to work today. May you open the door with so-and-so. 
You start mentioning people's names in your prayers. Not because you are saying, yes, 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 this guy, he looks like his rating is going to defeat me, you know. No, no, no. Now you're just saying, Lord, open the door to share the gospel with this guy. I'm trusting you. I mean, don't you think God will honor that? He's about it. Like that's his will. Don't you think God will actually open the door to the person who keeps praying to actually share the gospel with people? And maybe, saints, that's what makes a difference. That the people who actually make disciples wherever they are are praying about it. And then when they're praying about it and they leave their houses, they become more conscious. When they are walking and talking to people, it's no longer ordinary. They don't just hear the same thing. It's not just information. But they are looking out for the Holy Spirit hook. To say, ah, that's, that's, that's the door. And actually share the gospel. We mustn't chase what the world chases. Because when we do that, our kingdom is small. And that's exactly the point of my message today. It's, it's dangerous to have a small kingdom. Because if you study the entire book of Kings, the entire book of Chronicles, or any ancient literature about kingdoms, kingdoms are about one thing and one thing only. Conquering and being conquered. And guess what, if you are small? Could that be the prey that the enemy just takes easily? And it is so easy, right, for the devil to take us out because we want the same thing. So if we want the same thing, what stops the devil saying, well, this guy is successful because he, he has responded to one of those blue posters, you know, they hand out, see your enemy in the mirror. You know, you've seen those, you know? And then you start taking posters you shouldn't be taking, you know? You are calling numbers you shouldn't be calling, huh? so that you can see who's, who's standing against you in the mirror. But that's because the kingdom has become small. And it's a dangerous kingdom. It's a kingdom that the enemy can conquer. But when our kingdom is big, and our kingdom is about the Lord, and the Lord only, we are unstoppable. Amen. The enemy can't conquer that. Amen. The enemy can't stop that kind of guy. Mm. That's the kind of guy who's not prey. That's the kind of guy that the enemy comes, he submits, and the enemy flees. He submits, resists, and the enemy flees. The enemy is not fleeing from everyone. <laughs> but he's fleeing from people with big kingdoms. Amen. Interesting enough, when you are in the kingdom and you are making it about the kingdom and you are doing your kingly duty, that's when you start to appreciate what Paul is saying to say, well, fine, you're experiencing some challenges, but rejoice in suffering. My goodness, what does that even mean? When James says, count it all joy when you actually suffer. In reality, that doesn't make sense. How are you joyful when you are in pain? But that's because you are operating at the kingly level. You are above it. Okay? You are above it. The challenge comes, but you still boast about Jesus. You know, the challenge comes, but you're still declaring praises to the Lord. The challenge doesn't come, and every time you're knocked down, you can't leave your house for two weeks. And sometimes you consider the challenge, you're like, ah, but this, you know, this, uh, compared to what this guy's faced, all our challenges are so basic. They were dealing with the fact that my family just got killed for believing in Jesus. And I'm still alive. And in fact, the rest of my family have kicked me out of my house. They don't want anything to do with me because I believe in Jesus. But it is in that circumstance that they were joyful. Why? They were operating at the kingly dimension. 
They were not copying the world's behavior. Let's read in, as we get to, to a wrap, let's read Romans 12, 2, our favorite scripture. We don't even have to read it because uh, everyone knows it by heart already. Can we put it up so we can read it? Okay, it says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now, let me show you a trick to immediately be deep in the word. Put it in NLT. <laughs> immediately deep. Okay. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Deep, right? Okay. <laughs> immediately. Okay. So you read it in the NKJV, in ESV, you go to NLT. You know, you... Yeah, it's good to actually read multiple versions at the same time, but that's a side story. Now, I read this and I look at it. It says, then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I actually think to myself to say, wow, am I actually struggling to know the will of God because I'm copying the world's behaviors? Is that why I keep questioning, but what is God's will? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? Is it because I'm copying the world's behaviors? You see, when this word transforms you, no one has to tell you to not move in with the person you're not married with. Like it's not a conversation because you know the will of God in you. Like there are things that you don't need to be told anymore. Okay? No one has to tell you to not start that relationship with someone that doesn't know the Lord. You just know. But could it be that we enter those things because we are copying the world's behaviors? <coughs> and no one even has to tell you to say, oh, it's time to fast. You don't just fast by the church calendar. The Lord speaks to you as an individual. It's time to read your, the word. You don't read because the, word, the, 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 the church is going through a reading plan. You read the word. It's time to worship. You know, you don't worship because Taiseka is on the keys. Unless you are sunny, then you are in trouble. You will never worship again, right? <laughs> okay? You don't need to be told to be thankful and so forth because you just know. Why? Because you're not copying the world's behaviors. And sometimes you don't know because you're copying the world's behaviors. Okay? And quickly in Ephesians 2, it says, uh, in verse 2, it says, Once you were dead because of disobedience and your many sins, you used to live, uh, and your many sins you used to live in, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, okay? Uh, I'm reading, uh, you know, NLT, of course, okay? But do you see that? You know, so you think, oh, I'm, I'm just copying what I see the world doing. It's chilled, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, besides, everybody's actually doing it. But look at that. It says, you are obeying the devil. That's what it's saying. It's not that you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, when we copy the world, that's exactly what we're doing. That's because in reality, the world only has two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the other kingdom. And when you are not in the kingdom of God, you are other kingdom. When you are a chief, a king that's been sent to dominate a certain area and bring the Lord's influence and extend the Lord's rule into that area, and then you become like the dark ones, what are you doing? Obeying the devil. So it is not a simple thing, saints, to copy the world. It is a big deal. 
we are compromising on our own spiritual integrity. We can't stand confident before the Lord anymore. Why? Because we're devil worshippers. We are obeying the devil. Okay? Let's quickly read the last one. 1 Peter 1, 14. It says, I'm reading in uh, NKJV this time. It says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Okay? Um, that's so important. Here's the challenge. Whose desires are we living to satisfy? Because this one says, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, the desires you had before the Lord. Have your desires changed when you transitioned to the kingdom? Or did you just change the Sunday activity? Now you are busy on Sunday morning. In NLT, like I said, you know, you get some depth there. It says, don't sneak back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. How much more simple is that? The other one says, evil desires. Okay, so we know these desires are evil, but this one makes it simple. Your own desires. Whose desires are you living to satisfy? Whose desires are we after, saints? Is it the Lord's desires or is it our desires? Is it the Lord who is, is, is the only thing the Lord desires about our workplace is that we might be promoted? Or does the Lord desire more? You know, it's the only thing that the Lord desires about our relationship with our neighbors is that they will be so friendly to us. Or is there something more? But I tell you, saints, that there's something more. And we need to actually lay our desires on the altar of God. Lay everything, our ambitions, our pursuits, our careers, absolutely everything on the altar of God. And say, God, alter it. And when the Lord alter is, alters it, we pick it up again. We have new desires. And perhaps those are the desires that the Lord says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Surely it is not all desires, because we know our heart, saints. We know some of our desires are so contrary to the kingdom. So we can't think it is every desire we have that the Lord will satisfy. In fact, that scripture starts by saying, delight yourself in the Lord. So if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, it means you are actually in the presence of God and putting everything down. And you pick up what the Lord permits. And it is not everything that the Lord permits to be in us. And this verse from Peter tells us that we have to be holy as he is holy. Meaning that the Lord is sending kings that are like him. He's not sending kings that are partially like him, that are this. and No, no. Kings that are like him. Holy like the Lord is holy. Not holy like the angels, but holy like the Lord. Same level. That's what the Lord actually desires. And maybe that's what will change the world. Maybe that's the thing that caused people to say, well, these are the guys who are turning the world upside down. Because they were not about their desires, but they were about desires of the kingdom. So maybe we need to step back a little bit and reconfigure. Maybe we need to step back and think about our hearts and say, am I chasing what I should be chasing or not? Am I after what I should be after or not? Or am I just like my gentle neighbor? What a sad position to be in, to be like a gentle neighbor. And, and think about the saints. The gentle, the person who doesn't know Jesus, I like using the word gentle over, you know, I think it's friendlier than sinner, but you know, I mean the same thing. But the gentle or the sinner who doesn't know Jesus, these things they are chasing here in the world, that's all they have. You realize that? Yeah. 
Like we should actually be heartbroken over them. That all they can do, all they're going to achieve, all the good they're going to know, it's just this world. There is nothing more for them except the wrath of God. There is nothing, there is no glorious kingdom waiting for them on the other side. But for us, we are different. Our hearts will break over them. And the reason they break is because we start realizing, oh, but we have so much better. There's eternity waiting us. There's eternal life waiting us. Jesus, we have so much better. And not just in the world to come, but we have it here. Maybe the gospel is not just about meeting Jesus for the sake of entry. Maybe the gospel is about daily relationship with Jesus and daily commission by him. We mustn't limit what the Lord wants to do, saints. There is so much more. There is so much more. And as I said already, if you chase the things that are supposed to be added, the kingdom and his righteousness is not added. But if you chase the kingdom and his righteousness, those things are added. And interesting enough, when you just focus on chasing those things, it's not like it becomes easier because you pray. It's still hard. But maybe it's so hard, maybe it seems so impossible because we're chasing the wrong thing. Maybe we are supposed to solely and exclusively focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as Jesus says. Maybe that's the kind of kings we are. And maybe all these maybes are true. <laughs> okay. So in closing, when Jesus says we are kings and priests, he's not saying that we are kings of our own kingdom. He's not saying that we are, you know, the, the day we got saved, you know, we became this big shot that we are taking over everything, okay? But what he's essentially saying is that we are just like God. We were not like God in the way that we should be because of the fall, isn't it? But what he's saying is we are just like God. Now, if you think about God, specifically Jesus, he left the most comfortable place on all of existence. He left it to say that I'm going to make sure these guys know Jesus, which is weird to say. I'm going to make sure these guys know God. Okay? <coughs> That's what he did. Are we willing to be like God and leave our less comfortable place and just share the gospel with someone? Like, are we willing to be like God? Jesus has coronated us into his family. He's not coronated us into standalone entities to go and run all over the show and do whatever we want. It's exactly the opposite. He's coronated us into his family to do family business. We are part of a family business. And we have to step out of our comfort zones to be like God. And the thing is, saints, there are clear things in Scripture. Clear, clear, day and night clear, like making disciples. There's no confusion about it. Even if we might have many denominations that are arguing about different things, saying this, saying that, no one is arguing about discipleship. There are very clear things that we should be doing. Those are kingly things. And what I think is quite funny is that when we major on those clear things, the unclear things will become clear. Like some of us, we are so obsessed with the specific will of God, but we are doing nothing. 
it doesn't come by prayer alone it comes by prayer and a vigorous zealous serving of god do what is clear and the lord will show you what is not yet clear that's how it works okay we have to be a people that are a mix of martha and mary in us always excited to serve the lord and at the same time excited to spend time at the feet of the lord I suppose the difference between us and, and Martha is we're not going to complain about Mary, right? But we are going to be a people that balance both those reality. We are coronated into a different kingdom to represent the King of Kings, not to represent us. Uh, and I'll close here because of time. Um, that was point one. Of <laughs> yeah, that was point one. So I'm going to close here, but I just want us to stand up and pray.